around the mid-90s when this proclamation was received in the mail. <laughs> uh, so I believe it was a certified letter I designed for it, the ultimate insults right. I signed. Like it's like getting a subpoena and you yeah. sign for it. You go, oh, no. You've been served. Yeah, you've been served. Um, uh, it, 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 I, at that point, I stopped writing you new did. music. Okay. I stopped after the second Widowmaker record, mid-90s, and I said, there's no place for me. So anything I did afterward was covers, or, you know, uh, Twisted Sister retro stuff, a Christmas album. You know, I mean, it was nothing new or creative. It was just, it was music. It was my history. But I wasn't really doing anything new until my last, this last album, the new album and the one before that. So while you were out, what was your life like? How did you change? I know you did some reality TV. You did some different things. Those changes, how did you react to those? Because obviously, I mean, you're joking about it now that, you know, basically, you know, pop culture or the masses was like, okay, you know what? We're, we're moving on from what you made a living and a good living doing for a long time. How did you deal with that kind of emotionally as you went along? It was insanely traumatic. Sure. It, it was, uh, you know, that awareness setting in that not only are they not doing what you do anymore, the band's gone. Right. Uh, your career is gone. You spent all the money and nobody <laughs> stole it from me. I wasn't drunk or stoned. I was perfectly sober. And, um, and I spent the millions like a rock star. And now I'm married. I, I got three kids now, a fourth on the way. And I am not trained for any other job in the world. So what am I going to do now? And I just, and I, people say, Oh, you know, uh, like what, what drove you? I, I said, 10% inspiration, 90% desperation. It was like, I've got to feed this family or take my own life. And that was never an option for me. I, I, I may say that not jokingly, people seem to think that pulling the trigger or, or, or killing yourself is an option. To me, it's the coward's way out. And yeah. then people get very upset when I say that. Oh, and I say, I'm, I'm, I will say it again. Coward's way out. Because you leave others behind to pick up the pieces. Yeah. You're you're you've just you're 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 at peace. Your problems are over. Now this is the whole world of problems for the people you left behind. So that's why I say it's a coward's way out. But I never even consider not even a thought. But when I say, so what could I do? I was not qualified to do anything. So the first job I got was uh, answering phones at a desk job. Um, in an you office, did not really $200 a week. Uh, people would come into the office and see me. <laughs> sure, this is this is 92, roughly 93. I still right. was trying with Widowmaker around that time, right? But as a last ditch effort, but there was no money coming in. Um, people would walk in and go, Aren't you? and I would lie and say, No, no, I'm not. And 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 they believed that I wasn't because why would you think? that D Snyder would be sitting at this desk answering phones. Right. And they would go, my God, it's uncanny. I said, I know. Right. If only, <laughs> I get it all if time. only I get it all the time. The <laughs> next job I had was flyering cars. Um, I would go out at night in the door by, by cover of darkness with a hood pulled up. To, I'm, t- I'm being honest because I want people to know we all fall down. Yeah. And it's about getting back up. Yes. Okay. That's the, that everybody falls from grace, some worse than others. Um, and I was at night, I'd go out and put flyers on cars in parking lots. And I remember being chased out of a, uh, out of a, it was, it was for a wedding place. It was like a, a catering hall yeah. and being chased by the catering hall security and running from them. 
not because I was afraid of going to catering hall jail. It's not even a thing. But I was afraid <laughs> that they would see me and say, D. Snyder? Yeah. What are you doing out here flying cars? But it, put, uh, it, it brought home a little bit of money. While I did that, I started. I, somebody said, you know, you got a good voice. You could do voiceover. Well, guess what? A, I had to lose my New York accent. B, I had to go at an audition. And I started, I started hitting the pavement and doing auditions. Eventually, right. I built that into a lucrative career. I started doing radio, like I said, for $3.25 an hour. Eventually, I built that into a lucrative radio career. I've been doing it over 25 years. So I slowly, I started writing screenplays. I, was, I started selling things. So I, but I, I just started doing anything and everything. And it was pure desperation. You mentioned, yeah, you use the word traumatic and falls down. Um, I'm going to, I'll ask, I think I already know the answer, but I assume how your family helped you through that, like that beside the motivation of, again, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, but you were in a, you were, you were married and your wife stayed with you through all this. You know, I've made a couple of good decisions uh, along the way, sound decisions that have, have carried me through. One is. Um, and, and I nearly, and I'm, and I'm not going to lie, people. I nearly screwed it up with my wife. Yeah. We've been together 45 years. Amazing. Uh, we've been through uh, marriage counseling. We nearly came apart in the 90s and in and, and the 80s, late 80s. And that was partially because of my life was world was coming apart. And I was just sort of lashing out at everything and anything at that point, including the people who love me most. And, yeah. uh, I, and I'm ashamed, but I'm, I'm better now. And I made up for it. As my wife likes to say, the encore is great. She says the encore is great. <laughs> But um, she was with me when we had nothing. Suzette uh, was with me from day one. I, I joined Twisted in February of 76, met her in April. There was like 10 people watching the band. She was one of them. And um, she did the makeup, hair, costumes, the bone logo. She's always been wow. in my corner. Uh, so I had nothing. She was there. We had everything. She was there. And when I lost everything, A, I didn't even think for a second she would leave. It wasn't even a concern of mine. Wow. That now that I was broke, that my wife would leave. And she said, all right, um, I can, I, I have a, I'm a licensed hairdresser um, and I can, you know, I can go work in a salon. And so she just started working, cutting hair, something she had never done. She had gotten her license because it enhances her value as a, as a, uh, as a style consultant uh, and designer. And uh, she went to work and I stayed with the kids. Wow. And, and so she was in my corner and that's a flyer in those cars. Some of those flyers for her to do uh, weddings on weekend when she do makeup for brides for a hundred bucks a pop. Yeah. Uh, so, but she, she was there. And, and the other thing was I had created an, an oasis with my wife and she, I decided I wanted a family. I wanted children. I, I kept it together uh, for them. And no matter what was going on, when I came through that door, those kids were, over the moon to see me and I was happy, you know, so as yeah. we were renting a house and we were struggling and desperate and, and it was so tough, but having that oasis at home of people who love you and it just sort of like carried me through, you know, and, and, and if I didn't have that, you know, I don't know what I would have done. Two things that I think I've found out, I've, I've, I've done about 35, 36 episodes of this podcast about change. And one of the things that keeps coming back is uh, 
the ability to adapt and accept change, which it sounds like you were, even though, you know, it was hard. And then having that support from family definitely helps. I know we only have like 20 minutes. I want to, if you don't mind, I'd love to go back to 70. We are good to the bottom of the hour. Are we good to the bottom of the hour? Oh, that's great, D. Yeah, they give me a 10 minute break. I don't know why. I think they think I'm fixing my lipstick or something, but, <laughs> but those days have passed. I don't know. Uh, well, I appreciate anymore. that. If you don't mind, uh, I mean, I, I do want to hear about time to choose and I'd want to talk about it, but because this is about change, I want to talk about that. You mentioned in, you know, February of 76, you joined the band and then, you know, um, I, I always like to ask bands, was there a moment or was it a series of moments when you realized shit, this is really happening. People like they're singing the songs back to you. You're gigging like the, like, is there a specific moment that is in your, in, in D's oh, mind? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 As a radio guy, you'll appreciate this. Sure. So and we released um, Stay Hungry in May 10th, I believe, of uh, May 10th. And in the States, traditionally, things are different now. This is the old days. OK, yeah. people back in the old days, um, you had to go to the record store on it, Tuesdays. Yeah, it would, but it would take <laughs> it would take like a couple of months yeah. for the all the, the records to be in the stores and yep. the radio stations. And and so but in England, and Europe, it was more immediate because the, the regions were smaller. Mm. So we released the album and immediately headed from L.A. We went to Newcastle, England. And I remember landing in Newcastle just a little. And we went from L.A., sunny, beautiful, wonderful, <laughs> you know, top of the world. Newcastle, England, raining, miserable Monday night. We arrive and I'm in my room. Phone rings. This is just a side story. Yeah, you'll, yeah, like, yeah. you'll like it. Dima, Dima, boy. It's Brian Johnson from SDC. And I'd never spoken to Brian Johnson. Wow. And he goes, I go, Brian? He goes, yeah, yeah, kid. He goes, you kid. He goes, I said, what's up? He goes, ah, we can't have anybody sitting around in a hotel room on a Monday night in Newcastle. I'm coming to get you and the lads. Yeah. And an hour later, two Mercedes-Benz sedans pull up. And as Brian Johnson jumps out, he goes, come on, lads, I'm taking you out. And he took us out on the town um, to clubs and places like that yeah. uh, and just entertained us, brought us to his mansion of a house where we then we wound up in his his bar. He had a had a pub in his house. Uh, and he told us a story about before joining ACDC, he had lost. And by the way, this is inspiration here. He had left the band Jordy and given up. Wow. And he opened a business putting uh, putting um, vinyl tops on cars. You know, those crappy vinyl tops that used to be a thing. Sure. That was his job. <laughs> and he uh, and he uh, ACDC called him and he thought it was a mercy call because he was friendly with the guys and he wound up getting the gig. And as and he said, the, first, the words when he walked in, as Angus said to him, you're never going to put another vinyl top on a car again. <laughs> and he told us his story and he said how he used to drive past this house and as a kid and dream that one day he might live there. And here we were sitting in the house. Wow. Oh, talk about dreams coming true. I just got chills remembering that moment. I bet. Talking I did too. To I did but, too. But after we toured over there, I heard things were really going well in the States. Right. We heard that the record was getting added. We heard it was reacting. But it was so far away. It was not social media time. You know, you didn't get that feel. I came home, walked in the house. My wife, Suzette, who's always the queen of bringing me down to earth, goes, uh, I, I says, I'm back from the road. She says, yes, we need milk. The baby needs milk. Go. Get in the car. Go. I'm like, okay, I'll go to the milk. So I get in the car, driving up. And this is a crappy car, too. And um, 
turn on the radio and we're not going to take it's playing. Yeah. And I said, Oh, that's so awesome. What yeah. an awesome thing. I go, I wonder what's playing on the other uh, rock station in the New York area. Press the button. We're not going to take it. No. <laughs> and I said, wow, that's amazing. I said, should I go for the trifecta? There was one more rock station. I said, I'm going to do it. Hit the button. We're not going to take it's playing wow. on all three stations in my home, in my, where I, my backyard. And I said, this is it. We arrived. You knew it. Yeah. Well, I mean, when every station is playing your yeah. song, I mean, oh my God. I mean, what are the odds of that? It's just, that's how big the song was. And now it's the summer of, of, of 84. Yeah. You know, we're in June, July, and this becomes the song of the summer. Well, it's become the song of generations. Sure. But uh, back then it was, they were saying, it's the song of the summer. Uh, was the video out by that point as well? Yeah, the video was out. Um, and I, I appreciate how hard you work, not to say oot, but uh, you got just a little, just a little bit, you oh, know, I, I, hey, my, my, my New York accent. I was going to say, in. I can still hear the New York a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I was just doing my voiceover. I do a show called Breaking the Band now. Uh, I, I narrate the show. It's on Reels Network. I've been doing it for a while. And the other day I was saying something. I said, and they quickly grabbed some coffee. I said, oh, coffee. hold it, hold it. I said, oh, that my New York accent just jumped in there. Turned into Linda Richmond. Yeah, I got to go back and say coffee. Yeah. Have a cup of coffee. Oh. Um. But anyway, yeah, um, I, I, I lost track of the, where, 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 you know, I asked if uh, with the video, uh, you, you know, you come home, you've, yeah. got, you've heard the, you heard the song on all three stations in New York. I asked if the video was out at the Interesting time. thing about the video video was delivered to MTV and it was unprecedented. No one had done that kind no, of video. Before. Absolutely. It was a game changer. Um, and Les Garland, the head of MTV, got the video and hated it. He said, this is not a rock video. This is method acting. <laughs> and he would, and he did not put that video. Now, Canada is different with much music. We had much music. He, yeah. He did not let that video get out of medium rotation ever. Really? He kept it in medium. And when we delivered the I Want to Rock video, which was literally the sequel, it was yes. like, all right, so what does a father do during the daytime? He works as a teacher. All right. When they get, when Les got that video, he said, now this is a rock video and wow. you know hip clip of the week and you know not a, a rotation everything but um yeah but the video was out did you know when you were filming it or when you got the concept for the video or were involved like did you know that it was special it was the video was my idea was it your okay yeah yeah and credit to marty colner the director for for being so egoless I'm not saying he's complete. We're still friends to this day. We live near each other. We see each other all the time. Um, but, but, but having a controlled ego to say, to not shoot down a different idea, something yeah. was young and fresh, but he said, this is brilliant. I want you to sit by my side. Wow. And I want you with me at every step of the way. So when we, we pick the location, when we cast it, when he and I wrote it out, well, the whole thing, I in the editing room, I was with him every step of the way. So, and, and, you know, because he wanted to make sure that what I had in my crazy head, which nobody had before. Right. And by the way, that was his first rock video. And uh, he went on. Marty Cole is one of the biggest rock video directors. Scorpions, Aerosmith, Cher, you name the band. Sure. He, he's you know, one video director of the year. But that was his, it all started with we're not going to take it. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, writing a little bit earlier. When you, you mentioned when Stay Hungry came out, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, you had a couple albums before that with, you know, modicum of a little bit of success, not the success of Stay Hungry. Uh, you mentioned that you stopped writing earlier. How, when you came back to writing, how has your process changed? You know, 
Okay, so I stopped writing after the second Widowmaker album. I said, I think my time, even though I was trying to adapt and change, and the second Widowmaker album was very uh, much in line with what was going on, there was this thing about, I, I was, well, I've read some comments and reviews that basically <laughs> said, you're overstating, you're staying, you're welcome. Uh, you know, as I said, they said, you know, it's not your time anymore. And I always, I always hated bands that overstayed their welcome. I hated that Genesis turned into four groups. Made me crazy. I'm like, it's barely enough hours in the day as it is. And we got to have Mike and the Mechanics, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, and Genesis. Really? <laughs> really? So I just said, all right, my time's done. You know, and I went and pursued other passions. So it was Jamie Josta, my producer, who the last album which was a few years back, challenged me on his podcast to do a contemporary metal record. I said, look, I would love contemporary metal. I'm a, I, my kids have kept me in tune with everything. I, I, I'm a fan, but I don't know where I fit. He goes, I know where you fit. He goes, and I, he says, I'll produce this record and I will show you your voice. We need your voice. Your voice is strong as ever. You'd seen me live and, and was so impressed with my power, my voice. So we started writing in that album uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't participate in the writing. I sort of stepped back and said, oh, I'm going to do a trust fall here. Oh, interesting. All right. You guys. And, uh, and so many people from the contemporary community, people in Kill Switch Engage and, and uh, Lamb of God and Disturbed and all these bands came forward, contributed, participated, yeah. played. And that was moving just to see all these younger bands, younger by my standards, wanting to help D. Snyder return. So that was really cool. Come to this album. Now, I said, Jamie. I want to do another record. By the way, the first time I ever went back to a producer two times in a row, I said, but I am ready to participate in the writing process. So going to that, I, how I work is with, always work was with song titles. Okay. And oh, really? I start with a song title. Start with I the want to rock. And, and I want to rock. And I say, okay, this is going to be like, I want this to be up-tempo. And then I start like, dun, 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 and like okay, I want it to feel like that. Like kind of that maiden gallop. And I want and I was singing to a tape recorder and I would vocally, verbally write, create the song idea. So, and to that end, I always kept a long list of song titles. Wow. But in the nineties, I, I don't know, I, I'm sure I didn't throw it away, but it's just gone. So I didn't have any song titles to start with. So one day I was, you know, mid COVID, um, yep. you know, mid world coming apart at the seams and I, and, and my little, my sick brain, whatever you want to call it, I said, damn, I got to rock again. And I chuckled to myself. I said, boy, if there was ever a D. Snyder song title, that's it. I got to rock again. Right. And I wrote it, and I wrote it down. And oh, I said, wow. All right. I got a song title. Now, now let's write a song. And it, and, and it developed like that. So I got back to my titles as inspiration. How has, uh, how has the digital world changed the world for d because in, in music every you know it's very marshall McLuhan, but the medium is the message right like you talked about how literally distribution would slow down how often people could get their music what is what does the digital world mean to you well certainly there's, a, there's an immediacy to everything which is is good and bad you know as we yeah, well know sure um so uh, there's that but also technology we'll put it I, i've been saying recently that this, if the pandemic had struck 20 years ago, it would have been a much more dire situation. People go, how much worse could it be? Well, there would be no school. 
because yeah. we wouldn't 20 years ago, we were not ready for Zoom classes of yep. any kind, yep. Zoom meetings. The technology was sort of ready for a pandemic, oddly enough. And recording wise, uh, it allowed for uh, recording in a bubble and separation, uh, which we've been we've been doing actually for years because the technology artists have been able to be on one coast or one country and record quality rec recordings uh, even in their own homes and 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 put them together yeah. so we had the first the album uh, for the love of metal we had done some of the things at a distance because i live in la now la and belize uh when i'm not working uh and uh and and so but this album we couldn't do together so i recorded everything in la while they were all in connecticut and it it was like we were in the same room technology wise we were in the same room and speaking of digital, you are very outspoken on your Twitter account. We, uh, that's how we, we met. You had a super fan up here in Canada who was, uh, we were Keith. Yeah. When, uh, when, when for the love of metal came out and, uh, we were talking about playing it and that's how we ended up talking. Uh, you've always been at the fore. You've always been outspoken. You were at the forefront of the anti-censorship, um, movement in the eighties and made a huge difference there. Uh, how do you, uh, how do you think of the, the, the temperature of, of, of America now when it comes to uh, the social, you know, you mentioned things would have been really bad with the pandemic. If we didn't have the, the technology we have. However, the other side of that is some of this, uh, there's a lot of anti information out there as all well. All right. All right. Yeah. I know. You, I, okay. First, you know where all, I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm outspoken. Secondly, um, there's a song on the new album, leave a scar. Uh, it, it comes, it's, it, it's available uh, July 30th. Yep. And on the 29th, I'm doing a live stream concert event in front of an audience and everything wow. which you can go to metal department.tv metal department.tv on the 29th. If you can tune in for it live, Amazing. but it'll also repeat. So yeah. you can check it out. Uh, I'm doing a leave a score concert with stuff, my new stuff, but also your favorite twisted things. Nice. Um, and so just one other thing on the new album, there's a song on there called, uh, called uh, open season. Okay. And that was suggested a title by Jamie Jossie. He goes, Oh my God, D when I, it says, it's unbelievable. When people come after you on social media, it's like, it's open season that you just tear them to shreds. <laughs> it's, it's, it's and true. so the first line of the song, can we curse on this thing? Hey, go ahead, man. The first line of the song is, Hey motherfucker, you kidding me? That's the first, that's the first <laughs> line of open. Season. And basically it's like, uh, this is, this is a lesson that I give for free. And I, uh, and I just <laughs> love just obliterating you are so good at it. people on, on social media. So that said, I'm very outspoken. I am a vaxxer. I am a masker. Yeah. I am a COVID is very real. And I am a fuck you for, for being so selfish that you can't even respect other people. If it's just, if it makes them feel better that you have a mask right. on, yeah. if it helps someone else and to be so selfish and self-centered is just mind blowing. And a lot of the inspiration on this record is from these times. All the songs yeah. essentially are inspired by what's going on in the world. And one of the big things I have a song in here called stand as I'm trying to speak for and empower and lift up the middle because Contrary to popular belief, the extreme left and extreme right are not the majority. They are bullying loud minorities. Yeah. They think because they have 10,000 people in, my face, in their Facebook group that they're a movement. You're not a movement. You're a fucking parade. <laughs> There's 7 billion people in the world. How is 10,000 a movement? 
Okay, so shut the fuck up. And, and we, the people in the middle, who for too long have been sitting there going, I'm sure it'll work out. I trust things will be okay. It usually comes back to center. How's that working for you so far? You ain't this, waiting for it. This world is coming. It's not just the States. It's not just the Americas. It's all over the fucking world, people. Now you got me going, Bob. Okay? So uh, this record is I'm trying to fire them up. And someone said to me on social media, D, not all of us have a platform or a voice to speak out. What do we do? I said, get behind me. There because I'm I got the flag and I'm leading the way. So it's time that the true majority speak up, be heard, and have and have and make the choices, not the extremists on either side. I literally have my fist in the air, D. Snyder. Leave a scar is the album. It's out July 30th on Napalm Records. And uh, what was the what was the was the live stream on the 29th again? It's um, 29th. Go metal to department. Yeah, metal department. It's a weird name. Metal department. TV. I'm sure if you just Google yeah, D. Snyder live stream, yeah. Yeah. it'll pop up. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be really exciting because uh, we got all we're going to have a full like we we got to use a club. Yeah, I'm using a club. Amazing. But there'll be about a thousand people who are all tested, vaccinated, yep. rocking shoulder to shoulder the way we used to do it. So uh, it's going to be a fun time. So tune in, check it out. And by 2022, I'll be back in action. The world will be back in action and uh, you'll see me live again. So with that, Bob, I got to say, e. I do. Thank you very much. Thanks for visiting the basement, man. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Great talking to you. Bye, Bye now. We got to start making changes. This has been Bob's Basements. Thanks for listening. Thanks. That's the way it is. For more information, email Bob at bobwillette at gmail.com. That's Bob Willette, like Gillette with a W. Follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Willette. Bob's Basement is available where you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time. Well, that's the way it is.